This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the show. It is the Konza Show 9 till 10 with Rory Sangshabalala and myself, Andrew Levy. Wow, welcome to 2016. Yo, what a flippin' start to the year. I must say, it is very, very interesting. Rory. Yo. Do me lang. Do me lang. How are you doing? Hey. What a start. What a year. Let's just start with the breaking news that's happening right now. Yeah. Uh, unconfirmed reports that uh, President Robert Mugabe has suffered a heart attack and is in critical condition. Mm. This year is going to be out of control. <laughs> very, very interesting. What yeah, happens uh, if he oh, passes? Well, he passes. I, I, I definitely think that... There's uh, everybody's been working on it and planning around it. It's just been hush hush. You think Grace is on on the cards, eh? Oh please, no. I'm no, telling but, you, Grace but, but what will take happen, over. But, but what will happen is is what happens typically when the king goes, right? So, uh, her and all his henchmen might be removed, or somebody might emerge from amongst them and and take over. Mm. It could be a royal mess. Could it be the beginning of a new Zimbabwe? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not qualified to <laughs> to comment on that. I have no idea whether it's the beginning of a new. We thought we thought we thought uh, the Arab Spring was the beginning of a new Egypt. It, it didn't turn out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought that uh, the death of Nelson Mandela might be the beginning of a new ANC. It didn't turn out that way. So I think it's just the death of another guy. <laughs> that's it. That's that's very really positive start, Rory. Uh, it's just another start. guy's very dead. I, I don't think it's uh, I, I, at this stage. I don't know. I don't. I don't think because you would have to assume if if that's the case, you would have to assume that this guy was so powerful uh, that he was holding everything in place. You know, the same way we thought that Mandela was holding the peace. Mm. Well, yeah. If you look at the beginning of this year, you might think he was holding the peace, but <laughs> but we thought Mandela was holding the peace, and then when uh, well, uh, we didn't think, but there was a thought that uh, you know when Mandela dies, uh, things it are just going to get crazy, yeah, things yeah. are going to go crazy. Uh, you, you, I think you might be overestimating. The role that I mean, he was already old and so on. Probably he's ninety-five. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know if anything's going to change. Listen, uh, we are talking two thousand and sixteen. We need to talk. We need to talk. We need to talk, man. Yeah. What are the conversations that we need to have in two thousand and sixteen? The tough conversations. So we have we we have increasingly become the platform uh, for for having those tough conversations. And and do you remember how when we were having these conversations last year? Uh, we were criticized and attacked and mm. so on about oh, what you guys having these things these are irrelevant controversial and then what happens right and I, and I kept quiet when the social media storm started i just kept quiet like i've got nothing else to say i've said everything i needed to say you want to hear what i have to say you go listen to our podcasts because we've said everything we have to say so the one thing though is it just shows that the conversations are important mm. right and 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 you and i had a conversation um when when all of this was brewing and so on like is this worth it do we continue i mean is anyone even listening mm. right? i mean if this is what we 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 descend into uh the moment a penny sparrow opens her mouth like what what are we doing here is this even worth it or should we should we be having these conversations are south africans listening are they prepared to listen are they prepared to make the changes that need to happen in order for us to get on and mm. we're not necessarily seeing that right so so it's a big question mark for us right? what are we doing and how do we do it in a way that's actually meaningful and uh, obviously, we want to hear your your thoughts. WeChat, cliffcentral.com. You can also give us a call, 0861-555-189. What are the tough conversations that we need to have in 2016? Sparrow's fart leads to someone going off a cliff and the heart of the nation disappearing. How was that? Eh? How was that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's deal with let's deal with this 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 uh, racism story first. Yeah, we are forced to have. So if 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 we're discussing the tough conversations we need to have in 2016, this was this one was put on our plate. We didn't yeah. even. It was given to us. Yeah, a uh, gift. And the country's had a lot to say, right? I, I don't think we should we should we should add to the noise. I think it's really 
there, there are a couple of things. For me, it's how there was a lack of leadership. So Gareth in the show before spoke about the need for a leader to rise, and 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 it was definitely felt right. So anyone that was adding to the conversation, whether whether politicians, whether business people, whether uh, public pro- people, you know, across the board. Everybody was going in there with a thermometer mindset as opposed to a thermostat mindset. In other words, they were bringing themselves to whatever the temperature was and they were adding to the conversation at that temperature. And they, and, and very few people entered that conversation with the view of, yeah, but this is where the conversation should be. I was really disappointed at how, you know, this could have been a pile on, 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 on Penny Sparrow easily, right? Mm. Like, Penny, we don't stand for that. As South Africans, black, white, uh, and blue, we, we, we just, we don't stand for that. Mm. Uh, but it immediately became again, uh, a polarized thing. Why? It didn't have to be that, you know? So, so it, it was really disappointing. I'm not, I couldn't care less about Penny Sparrow, man. It's, it's honestly, if you go onto other social media platforms and so on, if you really, if you really follow certain people, you will get, you have a chance to be offended every single day. <laughs> uh, so Penny Sparrow, I don't think started on that day. And remember, Penny was responding to something else. So, so it's not like a Penny just grew from nowhere. She's always been there. It's just we took attention this time. We decided to pay it attention, right? So I don't care about that. I, I am concerned though about how the rest of us decided to then respond around this issue. Is there a sense, Rory, of Penny Sparrow, Gareth Cliff, and Chris Hart being almost symbols of different white perspectives in South Africa? Yeah, no, so not not necessarily symbols of white perspectives, but I I, I do think they represent uh, the archetypes, or, or you know, or the arch- so so I was just saying earlier, it's not so much about it. this is a continuation of Roads Must Fall, right? So. So, so if you if you think the roads must fall was about a statue falling, you missed the point. If you think that uh, the whole issue around Penny Sparrow was about Penny Sparrow, you missed the point. If you think it's about Gareth Cliff, uh, you missed the point. If you think it's about Chris Hart, you missed the point. It's it's the symbolism of of these individuals and 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 what it represents in the broader uh, context of South Africa, um, and 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 and. The conversations that still need to be had and are not being had, right? So, with Penny Sparrow, it's it's, it's almost the easiest one to to look at, right? It's it's that overt racism and so on that we just we don't have time for and space for in South Africa anymore. And so that was very that that is one way of looking. You know, this is this is type of racism, um, and, and I think even the use of the word racism. Um, might 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 miss the mark because then it's like yeah, but is Gareth a racist, right? Is is Chris was Chris did, was what Chris Hart said, racism, and 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 maybe we need to look at 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 something that's that's a little bit more broader than just racism because honestly, I don't think I don't even think Penny Sparrow sees herself as a racist. Mm. Um, so well, she doesn't. She has black friends. She's got black friends. She helps black people. She thinks pe- black people are cute, and so therefore she refers to them as monkeys. So, so she doesn't see them. She doesn't see herself. And you said this to me. You said, "What we need to keep in mind is that a lot of people who we would regard as racist don't see themselves as racist. Mm. So when we address issues on racism, they they exclude themselves and and just don't listen." Right. So, so yeah, I, I definitely think that you've got these three sort of archetypes, right? So, so, so Chris Hart, what did Chris Hart represent? Chris Hart represented this idea of institutionalized racism that a white guy, average, uh, qualifications and so on can rise to the heights of corporate SA, uh, in a way that a black guy would not necessarily have the opportunity to, right? So, so it was that. So, so the fight was against that. And I think the, the broader reaction was against that setup. And not so much a Chris Hart, who who uh, before that day was actually, you know, invisible to most South Africans. Yeah. It wasn't about Gareth Cliff, right? It was about what did that represent, you know? And 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 you you didn't hear so with Penny and with Chris Hart, you didn't hear the word arrogant used as much as it was used with with Gareth, right? But I don't, I, I pers- my personal views wasn't about Gareth, right? At, at the heart of it, it was about this thing of, you know, how do you 
how do white people just jump into conversations and jump into things and want mm. to and want to tell us how we feel and so on so, so it was that and it, and you were seeing uh, you were seeing a revolt against that and and with penny it was just the pure anger of of racism which then again evolved because uh because people decided that an attack on penny is an attack on white people when I phoned you, when this this all went down, you uh, you answered the phone saying, um, "Hello, monkey speaking," <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. But but how did you feel as an as an individual, as as a black person, as as Rory sung? How did you feel when when Penny Sparrow went down? You didn't take to Twitter, but but what was the the overall feeling that you had? No, this this time around, I really didn't feel, you know, I I had I felt like I had nothing to add to the conversation. To be honest, I just, and it was unlike me not to take to social media and to be angry and to do. I was just, you know, in in Pretoria we speak of hongeneha. You're just like, you know, where you're just like, ah, just like I don't have, I just don't know what to. What am I going to add to this conversation? And again, it wasn't in the observation of a penny sparrow. It was in the observation of my friends on mm. Facebook, uh, my friends on on Twitter and so on, and their responses. And I was just like, she's like, are we making, does does this matter? Does, do conversations like ours, does a show like ours, do, 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 does this matter? Because we don't even seem to be ready to have conversation, right? Never mind, never mind that we're not hearing each other and so on. We just, we're just not willing. I, I'm just seeing... Across the board, this thing where we're all uh, uh, bearing our heels in into our position and will not be told, right? And and that for me was just disheartening. I mean, it's you know, I don't I don't know you. What was as a white person? Did you feel attacked uh, when all of this was happening, or or were you just outside of it? Uh, I don't think anyone's outside of this. I think I think Penny Sparrow is a symbol for for people. You know what? I had this. Uh, I was going to say some bullshit, but let me tell you what I really felt. Mm. I really felt that I didn't want to enter the conversation because I'm sick and tired of what I call the whiter than thou's, and I've been guilty of being a whiter than thou at some stage in my life as well. And whiter than thou is to try and prove that you are the best white out there. You mm. know, so you come across a penny sparrow and you break into her as much as possible because you're showing that you are the most liberal you're white the better, person. You're the better white. I'm the best white there is, yeah. you know? And I just thought to myself, like Penny Sparrow is on Penny Sparrow's journey and it's quite clear that what she said was complete and utter rubbish. But let's look at me for a second mm. and what am I doing? Like how, and I think Penny Sparrow was a separate example. I think for me, I was like, I don't relate to Penny Sparrow, right? But closer to home was was Gareth Cliff and was was Chris Hart because both Gareth Cliff and Chris Hart don't see themselves as racist. Mm. And who am I to say that they are or aren't? Mm. I'm not. But I do feel like they've been socialized in a way where certain thoughts that are going through their mind, and the only reason I can say this is because I feel this too, are racist. And you don't even know it. It's subconscious. So, for example, the one thing that no one picked up on the Penny Sparrow commentary was not the monkey comment, but the fact that she said, our beaches. Who is our and who is them? Do you understand? Like, she's saying our beaches were taken over. Is she saying that they're white beaches that now black people just happen to come along and invade as she talks about it, you know? And there's definitely, you know, you have to stop yourself every time. And so... I didn't want to get into the whiter than white conversation, you mm. know, the Omo conversation, you know, mm. prove that I'm whiter than white. Mm. But m- this was a really big wake up call to but, say, hey, what am I doing? What are the thoughts that are going through my brain right now that are still have huge racial overtones? And mm. not jumping into the conversation, did you also get, have a sense of fear about, you know, how will I be interpreted? Like, is there a growing thing just within the white community about, you know, I'm going to have to be extra cautious and so on and and, and almost not being able to express yourself because you're afraid of what it might be construed. I'll tell you a story. I was in in Cape Town. Um, I spent some days in Cape Town and um, it was very interesting as I was walking um, 
there was a, a part where I'm walking very slowly and there's this white lady behind me who's trying to get past, but I was like taking too much space. Um, me being the, the bulky well, guy. Well, you're quite fat. Me yes. being the bulky guy that I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you being uh, the so, fat monkey, so, so. Right? yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and, um, this lady, I could see, so I could see out of the corner of my eye, I could look at her, I, I saw, and I just saw this person, she wants to get past, right? But she doesn't know how to, so I just moved out of the way, and she walked past, oh, thank you very much, and she quickly rushed past. And I'm like, you know, this poor woman was probably, and I, maybe I'm just, uh, I'm making inferences that, that, that mm. actually wasn't the case, but I was sensing this, this a much heightened level of caution from white people about, sheesh, if I even tell this guy that, uh, excuse me, you're in the way. If 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 this guy, if I even tell this guy that he's parked wrong, if I even, you know, I'm I'm going to, to be pulled be the, into yeah, this the, thing. The center of attention. And and I feel like that's not even life. Mm. <laughs> that can't be life, right? Sure. You can't you can't go through life now, afraid of saying things and so on. But it's it's being conscious about what you're saying. But did you have that when 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 we were confronted with this, where you were like, oh, I need to be careful about what I say. I think as spokesperson for the white people in South Africa, I'd like to put out this statement. No, I'm joking. I think I can't speak on behalf of white people, but I can say that from my perspective, the growing concern that I have is exactly that. The fear of where do we go from here and what does what does it all mean? Because those inferences you're speaking about, the the issue that I had with Gareth Cliff and Penny Sparrow, and this is not to this is not to condone any of their thoughts, was the Salem witch hunt that went on afterwards on uh, on Twitter. You know, it just was like anyone was looking for anything to say to anyone about about race. You know, so you said, oh, it's a hot day today. Well, it's a hot day because you're white or you're black or you know what I mean? And and so so what does that what does that start breed? It's uh, breeding. It starts breeding this kind of idea of, well, we're not going to say anything. Mm. We're just going to keep quiet. Mm. And I don't think that's the and right that, way to that, go. And that can only breed resentment. Exactly. That exactly. can only breed resentment. Exactly. I, don't, I don't think it makes it... In as much as us stopping to speak about racism doesn't make racism go away. Um, people stopping to express their views openly does not, does, not, does not make it better. Right. We do need the platforms and so on to express ourselves. And we do need to almost look at ourselves as black people, for example, and say, to what extent are we shutting the conversation down? You know, and, and, and I, I say this not with condoning, um, racism and everything that we've seen. And I don't think these things are mutually exclusive. Mm. I think we can create the space for conversations to happen without necessary, without condoning uh, uh, racism and, and racist acts. I, I read a great uh, letter by Sim Shabalala, uh, the CEO mm, of Standard yeah. Bank, to, to his staff, right, where he was speaking about this exact thing. We, we, we have a right to be angry. Uh, you know, people that keep telling us, oh, calm down, oh, relax. No, sod off. We actually have a right to be angry because this is just not on. As black people, we have a right to be angry. Now, the question, though, is then what happens and, and how do we move forward? I mean, in the current setup, you and I are talking, what are the different scenarios, for example, of where this ends up, of where the situation in this country ends up, right? So we're seeing uh, increased anger. So with each occurrence, we're seeing increasing anger, um, let's say from black people. We're seeing white people, um, maybe two, the, the, the ones that I've observed, two, two sides of it, right? Either this quietening down too afraid to speak out in open, too afraid to express mm. opinions and views. Yes. Or this... Polarization. Or this, this. you know what, they can go to hell, mm. I've had enough, I'm, this, my, I'm not going to be apologetic about who I am, and so on. And, and all of that is unhealthy. Where do we think it's going to end up? Difficult, difficult. I think there's a, there's a, there's a growing fear, you know, if you, if you read Facebook and Twitter, that amongst the white Twitterates and people on facebook going oh but you know like there's gonna are they gonna one day are they gonna come and kill us you know like is that where this is going that the angle will turn into a social revolution um which i think is totally and utterly weird but i think there's you think it won't turn into a big thing where everybody's running into the streets and causing havoc it might hey who knows you know it might 
And how do you feel? How do you feel about so? My feeling generally about mm. that is is there's a growing feeling in me that says, how do we make big change? Like disruptive change in South Africa. Mm. Look at the stats. I mean, they are ridiculous. We've got 56% unemployment amongst black people and only, what is it? I think it's 8% amongst white people. You know, mm. there's, there's the wealth gap is growing day to day. Um, who's in management? It's, it's all white people. And how are we going to make this change? How are we going to grow as a country and make disruptive change? And there's a part of me that's going, perhaps a revolution is what's needed. Mm. Because, and I know that, you know, like I'm going to get absolutely thrown under the bus for saying something like that. But how do we make a huge, huge change without it? And so I can imagine as a, as a white person, I'm not a white person, so I can't, I can't imagine actually. You surprise <laughs> me. You surprise me. You look like a white person. <laughs> I think the point is you, when you think about a revolution, you think, geez, okay, so the blacks are going to come after us. Right. And, and, and that must be, so on the one hand, as a white person, that is threatening, but let's assume that we are all blue and we all have the same identity and there are some people, uh, in this blue nation of ours who um, have accumulated wealth through past injustices and there's some of us that haven't and we're all blue. What do we think would happen, right? And on whose side would you be on? Right? Because there are, there, are, there are many of these blue, of these white people who are not necessarily at the apex of wealth. Sure. Right? Uh, who should be as offended by, by, by um, the accumulation, this, this, this unequal accumulation of wealth. Right, because they're not on the right side of that mm. wealth. They should be, but they're not. And then the question is, why not? Right? Is it because they're white? And so, so, so there is a big thing here of of as human beings. This is just a hu- this is a human issue. As human beings, is it okay to have a society, irrespective of whether it's black or white, to have a society in which these things happen? Mm. And if it's not okay, then what needs to happen? And what has traditionally happened across history is this doesn't happen automatically. A revolution is required. I think the other thing is South Africans generally like to point fingers, you know, so it's very easy to say, well, you know, where's the blue government? Why are they not making it equal for all blue people to live in? You know, please, we're Um, not referring to the DA. (laughs) 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 Yeah, they're not doing anything right now. But but I think there's there's something to be said about, you know, where and and corporate South Africa, what are they doing to make this better in terms of equality? What are we doing? Black and white, rich and poor. You know, mm. that's religious a, that's, or not religious, that's what are a very we good all point. doing to make this place a better place? I had a great conversation um, with 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 a white guy, a South African who now lives in Australia, um, and on our way back, flying back, and, and a real good conversation. And he's a he's an industrial psychologist, and so we were talking, and we spoke about what's happening in South Africa, and he said something that I thought was quite insightful. He said, you know. The problem is because I was lamenting this lack of leadership, you know, oh, you know, all we need right now is just a leader who will stand up and just lead us right to where we need to be. And he said, well, you know, this generation, our generation, it actually rebels against the idea of big leader. Right. So because because we we we, we attained freedom with a Nelson Mandela, we are now looking for another Nelson Mandela, Mandela type. But the, the the issue is maybe that's not the model of leadership that works for us, particularly in this social networked uh, uh, society that we live in and so on. It's not about the big leader. It's about you and me as leaders in our own right, in our own domain of influence. And the question is then what do we do? What is Andrew going to do to make sure that he starts to influence his circle? And what do I do as Rory to influence my circle and how do we start to lead within ourselves and, and, and each one using our individual strengths to lead in whatever way that needs to be led. The issue is no longer about the big leader. Mm. You and I are the ones who need to do it. And leadership most of the time requires us to deny ourselves of our our instinctive feelings, right? So, yes, I feel that this is wrong, and yes, I should be angry, and so on. It's like Nelson Mandela. If we if we if you're going to say that he is the archetypical good leader, then you need to recognize that that guy must have come out of jail after 27 years, pretty pissed off, pissed off, <laughs> right? Really, really pissed off. 
And why we, why we praise him as a great leader is that he put his personal anger aside for the greater good. And as individuals as well, if we're going to be leading in society and leading in our, we're going to have to put aside some of our things. We're going to put aside how I feel personally and say, but what is the greater good? So let's, let's get into that a little bit because I've heard that conversation so many times. I'm sure you have as well. Mm. You know, we have to step up and get involved as South Africans. You know, it's you and me. What are we going to do? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, today, what are you going to do? What am I going to do? And I, I don't mean this as an attack to you. I'm, I'm mm. asking mm, generally no, because because yeah. people just go, yeah, no, we must stand up as South Africans. For what? Mm. Another Lead SA campaign of putting your lights on? Please, come on. You know, like, <laughs> like what are you going to do right now that's going to change the way this country is formed? You know, my sense is we need to have conversations. So if you read uh, Gareth's, Gareth's uh, uh, letter, oh, I think he issued two, but there's one where he spoke about I am, I am still in the process of being educated on this and learning and so on. So... One is we need to adopt, before you can lead anybody, you need to adopt the posture of somebody who is learning, who is being apprenticed. The thing that South Africans assume is just because we come from where we come from, that we necessarily know how to have conversations about um, about these things, right? But we don't. Where did we learn it? None of us know how to. No white guy knows how to have this conversation. Black people don't know how to have this conversation. So we all actually have to shut up and learn. Mm. And, 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 and almost engage in this dance where we start to learn how to dance anew together, right? And, and, and it's difficult. It's difficult for white people. It's difficult for black people. Um, but we, we, we do need to just shut up um, before we start to want to lead anybody and so on. And we need to almost start to put, you know, one of the, one of the criticisms I had with, with Gareth's statement was that he entered the conversation with exclamation marks and not question marks. Right, and 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 the the spirit and the heart of somebody who is learning, or who is who's wanting to to learn, is is the heart of a question mark, not the heart of an exclamation mark. Because mm. if I'm learning, then I can't exclaim on anything. All I can do is just ask questions and 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 get to know. So, and th- and that speaks to all of us, black and white. How do we start to put question marks at the end of the things that we're exclaiming about? And then once we do that, then we will be more mindful because this is, this is not we're going to teach each other. Even when we say we're, we, we must be leaders, the type of leadership that's required here isn't a, a, a one-way leadership. It is lead, let me lead you as you lead me. Right? So, Andrew, I don't know how to engage with you in this thing. You know, I don't know what the things are. Lead me as you lead me. I really think that's it. I mean, so, so for me, the, the, the work starts with me internally to answer your question. And then it starts with my community of influence, my circle of influence, right? And I think you do it very well. You, you do it a lot better than I do. You're very good at convening uh, people around a table and having conversations. So, so I think it's more of that. We might, so the difficulty might be that you, you don't see it as a big deal because it's just happening in my little corner. Of the world, but if we're all doing that, and if we're all opening ourselves up to those conversations, I really think that we might start to 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 get somewhere. It's a very difficult one because, <clears throat> you know, in my mind, I was thinking, you know, Penny Sparrow said, "Oh, she helps black people, and she's she's there are some good black people out there." And I was thinking to myself, I wonder if Penny Sparrow has had a, a really open, honest conversation. With a black person, you know, Penny was, I think she's 65 or something like that. A 65 year old black person who's gone through apartheid on the other side and heard what it was like, you know, not some stalwart, you know, um, freedom fighter, just the average person on the street, which she is on the white side, you know, and said, I just want to listen. I just want to hear what it was like. And then realize that the reason that there's crowds on beaches on the first is because it's tradition now. On the first of the year was the only time that black people during apartheid were allowed to go to any beach. Mm. That's what it was. But it's a willingness to learn. So you can have the conversation, but are you willing to, are you, are you willing to, so the difference between hearing and listening, right? The proverbial difference. You can hear what I'm saying, but are you listening? And what's ha- what happened in the first few weeks of this year was evidence that we're all hearing, but we're not listening. Because if we were, then 
the way we entered this conversation would have been very different to the way we've entered other similar conversations mm. in the past. We're not listening. So the fact that you're willing to, you know, if you're going into a conversation already in a defensive mode, when you're in class and you're being taught, you don't go in there looking out for, you know, going in defensively about uh, this things I don't want to hear. But I heard two plus two isn't yeah, yeah, yeah. four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I heard no, 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 you don't no, no, no. do that, right? So, so, <laughs> so the attitude, the attitude of people who are being apprenticed in this thing is not the attitude of going in defensively. It's not going, it's opening ourselves up to learning. And, and I don't think, I think having conversations and, and maybe we spend our time having conversations with people that, that are worth having the conversations rather than like, I think I'd be wasting my time trying to have a conversation with a penny sparrow, honestly, because I like what, but let me ask you, right? So let's take one a little closer to home. Gareth Cliff. Mm. But what, what people don't, so, so here's the thing. I had a conversation with Gareth, even just before the show, right? He is open to a conversation. He is, right? So I was sitting with him and we were just exchanging ideas and thoughts and so on. So, and, and I don't know, maybe the shock of what's happened has brought him to that place. Maybe he wasn't here before this whole shock. I don't know, right? But definitely still worth, in my view, but it's pro- probably because we've got a personal relationship, right? A- and maybe this is the other thing. I don't think anybody's going to have a spiritual reawakening over social media. Right. Know? It's not going to, cheesh, I saw this thing trending and I decided <laughs> that I've... <laughs> I've changed know. my mind. I've done some research. Yeah. So it's actually the, the, the thing is, and that's why it's in our small communities. It's in our, you know, take it back home. Take it back into the office with the personal relationships. And, and, let's, and, and for Pete's sake, you know... Let's stop with this whiter than white and let's stop with this. I'm, I'm, yeah, no, look, I'm a different black person. Those black people are because then you're, de- you're delegitimizing, uh, the anger of black people and it's wrong, right? So we, we should stop. It's really about using these relationships that we've got and, 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 and we do have them, right? So it's, it's really about how do we start to use those relationships to start to speak to one another. And maybe then we'll start to get somewhere as opposed to screaming. At, I mean, we're screaming on social media. No one goes on social media and says, hmm, I've changed my mind. It doesn't happen. So, mm. so then, it, then it's incumbent on you and me in our own personal relationships to start to make sure that those conversations happen with people who are willing to have them. Because I, I'm done wasting my time with people who, who, you know, trying to convince a person that doesn't want to to have the conversation, but also realizing that across the board, both of us, we need to, to have those conversations. Rory on WeChat, uh, Ricardo says, Rory sounds defeated. Keep fighting, man. What do white people want from black people? It sounds like they don't want us at all. Black people should at, at this point not be bothered by racism and just live life and not care or hear the racist. It's very difficult to not hear racists. You know, it, it, it's very difficult not to. Um, especially when it causes you pain. I know a lot of people have said, yeah, but you know you're not a monkey, you know, so, so why is this bothering you? And, and I think that's, that's, that's actually condescending. Um, yes, the fact that I know, and, and, I, and somebody said this to me on social media, and I asked, I said, if your child was to go to school uh, and come back, today's the first day of school, come back from school crying because a teacher had picked on her and called her a monkey in class, would you leave her? Would you say? Would you scold your child actually and say, "You know, you're not a monkey. You're, we Don't can't let it bother you. Yeah, we can't change your teacher. Let it go." Mm. Would you? And if you wouldn't, then why? 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 You know, your child is not a monkey. Why would you take it up with the school? It's the same thing, and and we need to recognize. And as much as we want to say we're equal in society and so on, we are not. So when a white person says something like that, it carries not just the idea of. One person calling another person a monkey, it carries that supremacist thing of I am superior and I can label you a monkey, which was a derogatory term used against black people in the past. So, yeah, do I sound defeated? I, I, I don't know. Maybe I am sounding a bit <laughs> defeated. But look, you are you are more excited and you were like, I, I came to you and I was like, I don't know if we're making a difference. And you were like, oh, no, this is the time. What's driving that? You know. There was a part of me at some stage in my life that was very much pointing fingers to say, oh, but, you know, flip, man, government hasn't done enough. This one hasn't done enough. Why haven't done enough? Corporate hasn't done enough. And I'm just sick and tired of pointing fingers, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about pointing the finger at me and going, what can I do? 
how do I get on, on track here? So that's why with the Penny Sparrow stuff, I didn't want to go on to social media and say, Penny Sparrow, you're a total fucking idiot, you know? Um, but more go, Andrew Levy, hey man, like, have you been an idiot? What, what, what are the thoughts going on in your head about this, you know? Um, the reactions have been incredible, as you said, on Facebook from your immediate friends and so on. What are the reactions going on inside of you? And how do you deal with those? So, for example, something that I've been seeing a lot of is, is it's, a, it's an election year, you know, the, the municipal elections, everyone's politicking, and it's easy for, for government to politics, uh, you know, use race as a, as a politics card. Well, hold on a second. Like, yes, we know, you know, we know that parties do politicking. That's what they do, you know. But that doesn't undermine the fact that there's racism here. That's why they can do it. Yeah, that, that's actually a good point, right? So we, I've heard it as well. People are, the ANC is using racism now because they've got nothing left um, and so on. But they're not manufacturing the racism, right? And, and, and that's the thing. It doesn't discount the fact that there is racism. And I also, those that, the, the ones that really repulse me are these ones that say, oh no, let's just love one another and so on. Yeah, let's love, but don't use that as, don't use love as a cop out from dealing with issues. Mm. That's, that, that just does not work. Stop, stop trying to preach to us about, oh no, let's just love one another and, and everything will be okay. Yeah, that's fine, but you are still in a privileged position in relation to me, for example, right? So it's easy for you to just say, love will, and it's funny, in relationships, you'll get people telling you, yeah, but love doesn't put food on the table. Well, <laughs> love in this instance is also not going to get us to a better place. And so we do need to, we need to also just stop being cowards, I think. And, and, and in, in the spirit of, the show, which is what are the tough conversations, I think we we need to have conversations about conversation. That's a tough conversation we need to have. What is the type of conversation that South Africans need to start having and how must it be had in order to move forward? Because the reason why we have these flare-ups is because there's a conversation that we're not having. There's a conversation missing. There are conversations missing. And how do we have those conversations uh, and how do we how do we present ourselves into those conversations, and how do we then move forward from those conversations? I think the one interesting thing from a white perspective is this idea, Rory, of feeling attacked mm. when when people talk about white people and what they have and haven't done, and so on. You know, so let me give you a good example. Panache last year, and I know I go back to this a lot during the Ruth first lecture, said, "I have no interest in white people being my friends." Mm. Okay, mm. and that got me very frustrated and irritated, and and I had to really think why. Um, you know, the initial reaction was, imagine a white person went up on stage in a public forum at mm. the Ruth first lecture and said, "I have no interest." in black people being my friends. There would have been an absolute public outcry. But because Panache does it the other way, it seems it seems okay. Mm. And there's something about this idea of feeling attacked and how not to feel attacked. And I'm not sure what the answer is. You know, there's certain so the Penny Sparrow thing I didn't feel attacked. But the Panache thing I felt very attacked. Like, why does she not even give me a chance? Mm. And then I'm wondering, maybe I need to take it back a few steps and go Hold on a second. What got her to this point where she is just totally and utterly finished? Mm. That she doesn't want to have that conversation. I don't know. Like, it's something it's very that interesting. There's an article that she just put out on the Rand Daily Mail, uh, Panache, which says, We don't want white apologies. We want our land back. White needs to dismantle the post apartheid apartheid that Sparrow and Co. are merely products of. And uh, let, let me read just a, a part of it. She says, we will only accept apologies in white generational wealth and land. If you're a follower or member of black Twitter and to be more specific, woke Twitter, the subsection of black Twitter governed by black consciousness and black feminist ideology, you might recognize the quote at, at the start of this article as a tweet by Ditswane oh, Lozwane. Uh, unless you have been living under a rock, you would have figured that this was in response to the many crocodile-ridden apologies or crocodile-tear-ridden apologies by the likes of Penny Sparrow and other outed racists. So it's a, the fact that even apologies are no longer being, being taken, right? It's not, it's like, yeah, we see you, but what, what does it mean? Remember, I think when, when, when Naspers came out 
um, with with an apology about oh we're sorry and so on. We ask the question. We hear your apology. What are you going to do about it? Mm. And maybe that is the thing, right? So having conversations and saying we're sorry, it's not enough. So don't think that because we've had the conversation, it's enough. What are you going to do about it? And 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 in substantive ways, right? So so this is a res- the, the big thing in South Africa is resources and so on. What are you going to do? And we've had this conversation. We had it last year. You know, about how are you using your resources not to not to pull up because it's one thing to say, I help. I mean, Petty Sparrow said it herself, right? I help black people. I, But that does not break the power relationship that exists between you and a black person. You mm. are still the one that is helping. The black person is still the one that is receiving. It's patronizing. Right? right? How do we use, how do we, how do we reconfigure power relationships? Um, and, and are you going to be proactive in that or is that going to happen through a revolution where the power, the power relationship is disrupted? Do you think that also we, we need to stop talking about, I don't know, a collective, an us? You know, and, and I say this asking the question, mm. you know, we, we whites must feel this and we feel upset when this happens and we black people feel upset when this happens and, we are sick of apologies, you know. Um, we want our land back, right? That's an opinion of one person mm. who then gets brought into a collective because she happens to be black, mm. right? Now, I'm not saying that her opinion is right or wrong. I'm just asking the question simply, like, is that right? Mm. Should we be doing that or should we be doing more of this idea of saying, hey, no, not we. I feel, Andrew Levy feels this is the story, mm. right? Because in a way, it's also patronizing to do the collective stuff. We as black people, there's some black people that don't feel that. Why yeah. are you including me in that? We as white people, there's some people, white people that don't feel that. But there is something just about the collective, the collective struggle, right? So there are things that we speak, uh, that, 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 that are, that are collective. And so, so they can be said whether, whether they apply to everybody, not necessarily. Not that might not necessarily be the case, sure. but 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 when we speak about it, yes, we. But again, I mean, your point is taken, and I think a lot of the time it's also when it is it is assume black people are it's this position, and then the, the one black person that has contrary view, we quickly shut them down, mm. right? We 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 quickly shut them down, and um, you know, I, I received an article earlier just about, for example, black Twitter. And how it has brought a collective consciousness, um, and and then the question becomes, has it has it undermined individual consciousness as well? Because we are yes, I'm black, but I have my own view mm. on yeah. the world, yeah. right? Um, and it doesn't matter that my view is counter to what uh, Sankara said; it's still my view. Sure. Right. So it's increasing. Oh no, Sankara said this. Therefore, as a black person, we must all believe that. Not necessarily the case, right? But there is, there, there are obviously collective struggles, for example, the systemic inequality in the country, right? That's a collective black struggle, irrespective of whether I'm well to do and somebody's poor. Mm. And that's fair. And I agree with that. I think it's just interesting, you know, like you see, we said it last year when he was on the show about how as an author, he, he has the social pressure that he needs to write about race mm. all the time mm. because he's a black author. He's not just an author. He's a black, a black author, author. And yeah. therefore, and white authors can write about what the hell they want, but mm. he can't. Mm. Because he's a black author, there needs to be some kind of either explicit overtone of a race dynamic or an undertone of it. Yeah. And he's sick and tired of that because he's not seen as an individual. Yeah. And there's a difficulty in that. There is a difficulty. There's also the, the idea as a black person of being the ham in the sandwich in a, in a certain way. Right. So you, on the one hand, you, you, you are part of the, the black struggle, so to speak. And you've got very strong things to say against, uh, the things that are being done against black people, but you also have white friends. Right. And now in some cases they're coming to you, uh, and, and, and you're almost having to appease, mm. you know, like, ah, sorry. You know, and, and, and it's difficult because on the one hand, you, you can't always, and, and I'm saying this to you, it's, it's difficult. And this is just a real, it's very easy to say, yeah, 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 you must shut them down and tell them, but it, it, but you're also a human. Humans thrive off social relationships. They're friendships that exist and they're real. And, and you can't always be in fighting mode if you want to just maintain friendship about anything, right? It's not just about if you are, if you are male and, and 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 I'm female. If I'm constantly having the fight against males, 
uh, with you, uh, then I, I, we we might not foster. We must create the space within our relationship to 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 air that frustration and so on. But if we're constantly having that bashing type of a fight and the confrontation is always is always aggressive, then we can't foster that friendship. Right. This is a good point because you know I, I wanted to bring in Musi at some stage, you know, mm-hmm. but. Rory, you know, Obama was criticized last year um, saying that the only way he could be president is if he put his black anger in a box and, and threw it away into the sea and kept it very far away from things. We saw Musi Maimane talking about Penny Sparrow and he's like, I'm angry, but I'm this. I'm angry, but I'm that, you know, and, and it felt like very watered down. You have a situation where you interact with a lot of white people and a lot of different perspectives, friendship, business, and so on. Do you ever feel that you've got to be the Obama kind of character where you can't show anger and just be like, ah, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. Actually, you're talking total crap. But no, I, hear I think you, it, you know? it goes to authentic, authentic relationships. And I think, well, I believe I've got authentic relationships with my white friends. So they know my agenda. They know my... They know what I believe in, and and when they disagree with me, they disagree with me. But that's the whole thing. The relationship is not premised on you agreeing with me. It's it's based on us having a consistency of values, right? But that does not mean that we will not disagree. Um, and there and there are those relationships that are not perhaps as deep, right? And and are not worth the effort, frankly, from me to try and 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 set this person right. And they don't play a big enough factor in my life. I interact with them, but they don't play a big enough factor in my life. Because, you know, I've got other things to do, right? Then, then trying to correct somebody who, as somebody said, this person, you're not gonna, you, if, if, if somebody's parents failed at teaching them how to be a good person, I'm not going to meet them Try and correct them at yeah. above the age of 30 when I meet them and, and think I'm going to do anything about it. It's not my problem, right? I'm, I'll only engage with those people that I have that solid relationship with and our relationships create that space. For us to have those conversations and them with me, right? So I've had a lot of my white friends calling me and saying, geez, this is, this is really uncomfortable. This feels like I can't say anything. I can't have a view. I can't, I can't uh, disagree with Jacob Zuma, for example, because now it's increasingly, you know, and, and it's a problem. We need to, I really think we'd be losing out if we, if we robbed ourselves of the opinions and views of white people, um, because they're too afraid to speak. Um, but it, it is about how do, how do white people learn about that consciousness? Um, of of engaging in dialogue, not coming from a point of being supremacist. Bringing in Zuma very quickly because that's another conversation that we oh, have to have in 2016. Uh, Musi Mayamane and the DA have apparently put on the agenda that they want the president to uh, uh, what's it a call of no confidence, a vote of no confidence, vote of no and, go- and which the, is impeach yeah. impeachment of some sort. Mm. That's definitely not going to happen. The only way that it could potentially happen is if the ANC recalled the president of the ANC and, of course, the president of the country. And I actually think that would be a bad thing. You know, and, 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 and recognizing that Zuma is, 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 is a, is a train wreck. I think it would be a bad thing for South Africa's political and economic stability because this would be the second president, um, in succession who does not serve out a full term, um, and who is not removed through the electoral process. So it actually undermines why we go to, why we go to, to, um, why, why we vote every five years. So it's really, I think we do need to we we do need Zuma reined in somehow, but I really think it would not serve the long term interests of our country if this man is recalled. Unfortunately, just to keep in mind that a recalled status means that fifty percent of the NEC plus one, so basically fifty percent plus one vote, have to agree that Zuma needs to be recalled. So at the moment, there's eighty six people in the NEC. That would mean 44 people need to vote against Zuma. Mm. Uh, the interesting thing and the difference, I suppose, between Mbeki and Zuma is Mbeki ostracized the NEC, which made it very easy for the NEC to say, cheers, I'll see you later. He alienated them. He yeah. alienated them, and Zuma has brought them all in. So the, bed, the, the bread is buttered for a lot of the NEC members. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we'll see a Zuma recall. I, I think um, w- w- what is interesting is perhaps being a – um, being, being a Musi Maimani must be horrible. Honestly, I don't envy that guy. I don't know how he lives his life because it looks, and, and, you know, I'm speaking as an outsider looking in, but I just don't, lo- I don't see him, I don't see his leadership as authentic. 
honestly. I just don't see it as authentic. I think uh, he's constantly saying things that are contrary to what I think a guy in his position would think and feel. You know, so I think there's a conversation there about just like let's just have a conversation about Musi Maimane. Yes, he's black and so on, but you know, is this guy a good leader? Is he a good leader? You know, has he had the opportunity to lead? Yeah, and well, he's now a leader, and now there are certain expectations. Is he a good leader? Is he leading the DA, honestly, or is he a figurehead? Those are tough conversations that need to be had. They're tough conversations about those people that continue to prop the ANC up, and 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 members of society, business people, and so on. How do these people live with themselves? We, we need to have, and not even Zwanele. I mean, we've, we've seen like Basitsana, Kumalo, and so on. Those people, those people on their watch, the things that are happening are happening, right? So assume EFF was to come in and so on, and then was to go out and start executing everybody that was, what are these people going to do? Are they going to turn allegiances? Are they going, because on their watch, these things are happening. We need to have tough conversations about that. We need to have tough conversations about the EFF. And, and its role in society. Julius has been very quiet in this whole thing. Uncharacteristically quiet. I mean, this was the moment for him to shine. This it's was been his very moment. interesting. So, so the question is now, now what EFF? Right. And then, you know, again, it's very easy for us to point fingers at them, 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 us. I think we need to have tough conversations amongst ourselves. If we say we're people of virtue, how can we continue to live in a society that is as unequal as us and unequal because of injustice? Right? How can we do? How do we call ourselves people of virtue? So we need to have conversations. Are we really the good people that we think we are? You're going out saving rhinos. Meanwhile, the person, the person just down <laughs> the road in another community is not eating and so on. Can you call yourself a person of virtue? Because the same sense that makes you want to save the rhino should be the same sense that wants you to intervene in that person's life. If you're interested in holding on to your privilege at the expense of somebody else, can you say you're a good person? That was a tough conversation we need to have. And then tough conversation about what's happening to Man United. Um and and, and what's Who happening. Are you right? There's some tough conversations. Ah, please, man. <laughs> Let's not even go there. My gosh. All right, 2016, the concert show is off. We are it's a somber mood, but I think for a reason. This is a very real space that we live in. These are real conversations that we want to have with you. And this year, we will be having all of them. If you've got conversations that you want to have with us, let us know on Twitter at Rory Shabalala or at Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y. We will be taking it to the people. By the way, yes, we need to announce. We're now two hours, baby. Oh yeah, yeah, going forward. Two From solid hours, so if we irritate you, well. <laughs> it's gonna get worse. Another hour of that. <laughs> but if you're one of us, then look, it's gonna be so much more exciting. There's so many more different things we can do format wise and so on. And we want to bring you guys more into the conversation. It's gonna be great. So we look forward to more of that happening as we go on. Hey, have yourself a great Wednesday. We will see you next week. It's gonna be on. Tough Conversations continues. Ciao, when my lead, where's the gun or digging? When there's a donina. This is CliffCentral.com.